This is Michael Zuber, and I just wanted to thank you for listening to my One Rental at a Time podcast. Did you know that I took the time to document the entire process I used to learn my market and actually still use today? I released it as a $199 online course via Teachable, and it is called How to Get Started One Rental at a Time. With that, you get access to my private Facebook group and can join our group mentoring calls every Saturday at 9 a.m. Pacific. You can find it on my website at onerentalatatime.com. Now on with the show. Hey, everyone. It is Tuesday, and you know what that means. It means our expert series. We bring back Omar. How you doing, man? I'm doing great. Michael, how are you? I'm doing very well, folks. So do me a favor. If you like these conversations with Omar, make sure you check out his playlist on this channel. We talk every Tuesday. We have hours of material already there you can go back and listen to. And what we're going to do today is actually record two episodes. We will record them today. And yes, they will be posted today. Uh, That's how Omar and I roll. You ready to go, man? Let's do it. All right. Well, the first first episode, first video is probably really top of mind for investors. And that is, you know, what's going on in our two markets, right? Your market's the high desert. My market's the Central Valley. And we're going to talk specifically about our markets. But I believe okay. our markets are very similar to most markets across the country. Because most, most markets across the country are seeing influx of buyers. Owner occupants are up. You know, it's not like you and I are investing in New York City or San Francisco, which I would say is the complete opposite. So what is going on in the high desert? Well, as a matter of fact, right now, Michael, we are still obviously a little bit low on inventory. I just came across the numbers um, a couple of days ago from our title, uh, our title report or our title, our title agency. And we, we pretty much talk on a daily basis and we're at about 600, about 620 houses available, which is, is nothing in, in our market. When last year, to give you an example, we had 1,700 houses available last year. Wow. So big difference. Uh, interest rate obviously is still at an all-time low. Um, the price per square foot is increasing on new construction, on anything that is turnkey ready is getting really high dollar per square foot. Yeah. And we haven't, I haven't even seen it this, this high since 06. Yeah. So, so it's, it's amazing. And again, why I think our conversation about the high desert and the central Valley will resonate across the country is I'm seeing the same things. Inventory levels in the central Valley are down 30 to 40%, depending on where we are in this cycle. And it's, it's frankly not getting better. We have set record uh, values, right? I believe from memory, I think Fresno or Central Valley now is 368 grand. I believe it peaked in 06 or 07, about 340. So we've taken out the peak, but payments, right? Again, people talk about values. They talk about Case Shiller. And they always forget it has nothing to do. It's all about the payment. Interest rates are down almost 50% from what I was doing mm-hmm. in 06 to today. So your payments are down probably 30, 40%. And that means houses are more affordable. So, you know, very, very similar. Um, who's dominating your market? All right. Are you seeing investors, owner occupants? You know, what, what's who's who the, you know what? Uh, owner occupants. A ton of them, because obviously if they're on the fence about renting, 
Um, and they're at that point to where they're now wanting to buy because their purchasing power is so much higher and their payments so much lower. It's like, you might as well buy. So there's been an influx of new buyers coming to the market. Uh, the investors are still picking up whatever they can, but uh, obviously it's retail side is just through the roof. I mean, with nine, 10 offers, every house uh, it's people are waiving appraisal contingencies. Um, they're not caring about the appraisal. Uh, we had 10 offers on one house in one day <laughs> and pool spa, four bedroom, three bath, and two of them uh, wrote the offer with no appraisal contingency, 25K over list. And it's like, wow, it's not going to appraise. It mm -hmm. will not appraise. So now people are buying above that number. So those aren't investors that are buying those houses. It's owner occupants that are getting emotionally attached to houses because they weren't, they weren't able to buy before. Now they are. So that's kind of where they're at now. Again, very, very similar. Yeah. Very similar market. Um, you know, we're seeing the same things. We're even seeing auto uh, increases in offers, right? Escalation clauses, right? We'll yes. go, we'll go up 10 grand, you know, don't, don't even ask for best and final. We'll go up 10 grand if we have to kind of things. Uh, I've never yep. seen a market like this. Uh, and I guess the next question is I kind of peel this back and I'd love to hear about the high desert is are what kind of impact are what I'll call general SoCal investors, meaning LA, Orange County, Irvine, you know, are, are you seeing an influx of those folks into the high desert, right? Is, is the population, is the net migration up in the high desert or is this just all local demand? No, no, the increase is up because uh, the ability for buyers to purchase you know, in the down the hill market is so much more competitive than it is up here. Even though it's competitive up here, they get 20 offers compared to our eight to nine. Um, and if it's priced correctly, you should get a good five offers. Hmm. But everyone's moving up here because they're selling their property at an all time high in the metropolitan area. So their dollar is going a long way. Yeah. But I will tell you, that people that do move up to the high desert, um, they're here for two years, mm. maybe three years max. You know why? Because of the commute. They think that, hey, it's all good. Uh, let's go buy a house that's cheaper and get more for your dollar. Right. But then pretty soon that up and down that hill that takes you two hours uh, one way at times uh, might get old after a while. So <laughs> right now it's all buyers. That's interesting. So again, so we're seeing the same things, right? I'm actually having agents talk to me about Silicon Valley money coming to the Central Valley, right. right? And near as I can tell, at least most of the Central Valley purchasers were renters in the Bay Area, right? So they mm -hmm. are they're moving from San Jose or or Morgan Hill or maybe even San Francisco or you know one of these areas where they were renting for four, five, six thousand dollars a month. Their employers have said, hey, work from anywhere. These individuals want to stay in California. They don't want to go too far away. So they go, you know, two and a half hours kind of that way and they're buying. So we're seeing, and then they're, they're not even really price constrained, right? Because if you are affording a $5,000 rent payment in San Jose, you could easily afford a median home in Fresno, even if you got to pay 25K over asking. It's, 
it's a drop in the bucket. Your mortgage payment's probably 1800. And they're like, score, sure, 18, 1850, no problem. Seeing the same thing? Same thing. Yeah. Um, they're dropping, you know, if they're making, or if they're making, they're used to making that payment of 3,500, four grand, yeah. uh, you know, down in the metropolitan area. And that's LA, Rancho, that's, you know, upper end, higher price points. Um, and then they're coming up here and then they're getting a $2,000 a, $2, a month payment, you know, with some money down $2,500. I mean, it's saving them $1,500 a month, two grand a month. So is that worth that extra time that takes you to get to work? Yeah. I'm sure. It, it, another thing that's really going to be a driver for this two-year comment you made is, is this whole work from home, right? A lot of companies, and I don't know the LA market at all, but the, the tech market in the Bay Area is clearly telling their employees, you can work from anywhere. And many yeah. of them are even going, we're going to shut down the office and you, you can work from anywhere. We'll have little hubs and you, know, you may have to jump on a commuter plane every once in a while to, to go to a, you know, a corporate meeting or something. But uh, you know, if this work from home picks up the Zoom towns, if, they, if you will, you know, maybe, maybe the market in the Central Valley and High Desert take off because we won't have that historic Oh, I got tired of the two hour commute, right? The two hour commute's only a problem when you got to do it three, four, five days a week. If you got to do that two hour commute twice a month, you're like, cake. Oh, easy. And you know what? That's a good point, uh, Michael, because now it's, I mean, to, to give you an example, I have a full on office, 2,200 square feet, and I'm not there. No one's there. Yeah. And I still make that payment every month. Yeah. <laughs> so, like what you we figured out a way well because we were kind of forced to to work from home and we make it work yeah yeah and then you as a business you know very soon maybe early next year you're gonna go hey do i sublet that building do i take half the space you know there's a lot of i mean the office again that's why i'm glad we're not talking about the metro areas because i think this would be a very different conversation because i think those markets are in trouble so let's flip the script. So we just talked about renters becoming owners. I'm, I'm also seeing baby boomers. Not so much yet, but my suspicion is right around the corner, like next year, the big wave that the Central Valley is going to get in maybe the high desert is baby boomers are going to sell in the metro areas and then move to the high desert. In that case, they don't give a rat's ass about the two-hour commute because they're not doing it, right? Do you see no. that coming as well? It's coming, 100%. There's going to be a change of um, wealth that is going to be switched from baby boomers selling their property, getting all kinds of money, and then it's going to get switched over to different markets because of all the money that they're going to be receiving from selling their properties in general. At least that's my opinion. I see it happening. Yeah. And is it going to happen the next couple of years? My, my opinion, it would be, yeah. And you know, find a way to position yourself. Yeah. The question for both of us with baby boomers, because I think uh, work from home millennials, I could see them picking Fresno and the high desert because, Hey, I'm close enough where I could drive there if I have to, right. Totally makes sense. Baby boomers, exactly. right. Baby boomers sell out. They put seven figures in the bank account. They could easily buy cash in the high desert or the central Valley. The question I have is, do they do that? Or do they go a couple of more hours east and they end up in Vegas, right? Where maybe they're, maybe they're adding an extra hundred grand to the purchase, but now they're in Vegas. 
right? No state income tax. But again, if you're retired, I'm just playing this out in real time. If you're retired, do you really care? Because you don't have W-2 income. Yeah, I don't, no, I don't know. You, it's just interesting you, to think You about. don't. And they, they, do, they will go somewhere where it's a little more less congested. Yep. Obviously, they want to dump their property. They want to either go to, like you said, North um, or Vegas, a high desert area. Just because you get so much more here for your dollar that it just makes sense at times. Yeah, and it's quality of life, right? Because again, you're less congested in your newer properties. I mean, you're not in, I mean, the Bay Area has so many 1950 ranches that are just getting aged out. Um, I mean, my mother lived in a house that the last year didn't even have uh, a drain for her washer, right? She had a hose tied to it going out the backyard. Oh, wow. Yeah, she was just like, I'm done, wow. right? So she sold that place for a million bucks. Person came in, scraped it, and built a 4,000 square foot house. So she basically had a lot. It's, it's just nuts. So yeah, I'm wondering what happens with baby boomers. Initially, I thought they'd go to like Nevada or Texas or Florida. But now the more I think about it, the reason that they do that is income tax. But if you're retired, I don't really know that that matters. So does the high desert have things that would attract a baby boomer? You know, um, it's, I, I would say, yeah, just because of, um, you know, away from the hustle and bustle yeah. uh, from metropolitan area, but uh, it's not like a Palm Springs. It's not like a Scottsdale mm. or, you know, Arizona. It's nothing like that. It is a little different. Um, it's just less expensive. Um, you know, the population isn't as high. I mean, what are we at? Like 700,000 people combined mm. in all of um, five, six cities. What's no. a what's a three thousand square foot house built in the last decade cost just roughly? Uh, three seventy five. <laughs> yeah, so it's about the same in Central Valley. I mean, again, maybe they go there. I mean, they 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 want to stay in California. Maybe their family's close by. Maybe they like the amenity. I mean, it's they're going to go somewhere. They're definitely going to exit, you know, the Bay in L.A. or area. It's just a question where they're going to go. So I see a lot of goodness in the high desert and Central Valley for the next several years. I think there's appreciation. I also think there's rental growth because it's a simple well, supply and demand. Huge, huge rental growth. Like it's, I was just going to add that, uh, Michael, is that rental growth of, you know, because there's not an, there's not enough houses for rent right now. I'm sure in your area, too, there's nothing available. Oh, houses. I mean, I mean it's like crazy. Yeah, it, it's. And, and they're paying top dollar, but at the same time, because of this whole COVID thing, some of the, some of the landlords aren't wanting to rent. They're wanting to sell mm -hmm. because they'd rather take their money now because what if they don't pay? Six months goes by, you lose all kinds of money. You know, So there's a lot of that going on, but I will tell you the next three years here is going to be the biggest switch of wealth because the, uh, the bullet train is coming. Oh. And, and apparently it's supposed to be finished in 2022 at the end of 2022. Um, and that's going to be straight to Vegas. So it's going to be a hub in LA, a hub in the high desert, and then the other hub in Vegas. That's oh, going to get you to Vegas in like 40 minutes. Wow. So wow. that right there is going to attract more people to buy in an area close to the area where they can pick up the train and go to Vegas. Be that, three hours. That's your baby boomer reason right there. 
because the baby boom, because again, baby boomers have infrastructure, they have friends, they have family that may be there. They're going to pocket seven figures selling their Irvine home. They're going to go in the high desert because yep. it's between the two locales. And then, hey, they want to go have a steak dinner and so she a show. They jump on the train. Then they come back, right? They want to go see family and go the other way. That's what's going to happen. And it's like you have all the restaurants to choose from. You know, Vegas will get put back. I'm not saying that that's not on the map now, but it'll get put back the way it was pre-COVID. Yeah. You know, because from what I hear right now, Vegas is – is it doing as well as they as it was? Before. <laughs> That's an understatement. <laughs> yeah. All right. So yeah. So let's talk about the market we're in, and let's just talk about our portfolios, and, and people can kind of relate to this. I think we, I think okay. we have we have three choices all the time. What do we keep? What do we sell? And what do we flip? Yep. So I'll, any order you want, whichever one you want to do first. Let's talk about that. Sell, keep. So you know, I, I've been doing these uh, the, the, these series on my Instagram where it's keep it or flip it. And I kind of give people the idea of like, why am I choosing to keep something? Why am I going to choose to flip something? Um, and obviously for the investors listening, um, the houses that we already have, why do we sell and or, and or why do we keep? And we continue renting it out and everything else. So um, let's go with, uh, let's start off with, why are you going to keep it? Okay. You first. Okay. Go for it. And and ju just like, you know, obviously, Michael, you have a ton of rentals. I have a ton of rentals. And reason for us to keep or for my my opinion is that it's has a good positive cash flow uh, per that unit. Okay. That means your mortgage payment super low or it is low. And then the increase of rent is there to offset it. You know, and it pays itself off. There's a bunch of equity. Um, and to me, it's like I have a number. I, I want to make at least five, six hundred dollars a month in positive cash flow. If it's less than that, uh, if it's 200 bucks, 250, uh, sometimes the end of the year is going to be negative because you're putting money into the property uh, to fix it and to maintain it. You may not see a positive for at least four years. Um, truly, uh, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, Michael, but when it starts being that little lower of 200, 250 bucks um, of, in positive cash flow, it's great. If you have no money out of it, or if you have no money in it, then it's one thing. But most of the time, you know, there's a small loan on it. Yeah. Um, you know, you're, you leverage that property to buy other ones. So depending on where you're at, my thing is I want at least $500 a, a month in positive cash flow. And that's one I can keep because that's $6,000 a year you know, hold that for 10 years, that's 60K plus appreciation, plus the, the decrease in your mortgage, in your mortgage balance. And now you're sitting pretty, you know, yeah. prettier. Uh, yeah. So when I look at my portfolio, and again, I, I typically evaluate this uh, twice a year, once in the summer, right around July, because it's middle of the year. Uh, and then once yeah. at the end of the year, or beginning of the year, depending on how you slice it. And, and what, one thing I'm always asking myself, is the area improving or not? Right? Yes, cities, exactly. cities improve, but even subsets of cities improve. For example, the first house I bought was in something that was called the Mayfair district. It was kind of like middle, middle when I started, right? Which is where I wanted to be. It was where I was comfortable. It was kind of my, my area. And then 10 okay. years later, you know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't buy another asset there because it became like 90% rentals for whatever reason. And, and very few owners. 
it just flipped. Um, it, it happened right after the crash. I don't know what it is. I guess just a bunch of landlords, new landlords bought stuff and were renting to not, not a good tenant base. So, you know, yeah. I'm always asking myself, is this area trending in the right direction? That's, that's question one, right? If the answer is it's trending in the wrong direction, good chance I'm selling that regardless because I can always reposition capital either in a straight up sell or a 1031 exchange. The next thing I ask myself specifically in this market, and I don't remember asking this question before, but it's important today is, do I want to hold this for 10 years regardless of what happens to price? Because yes, I think we're going to have two or three years of increase ahead of us. But after that, if interest rates go up, you know, we have this or that happen, would, prices could fall, right? So I'm asking myself, would I be comfortable holding this 10 years where maybe we go up and then it kind of rolls over because I invested through that before. Right. So am I willing to right. hold this kind of regardless of price? Um, and then, yes, you're absolutely right. Cash flow is a house of performing things of that nature. But I would guess the, the biggest thing every year, every six months is, is the area trending in the right direction. Right. Cause one of my criteria to buy in the beginning is always, Hey, would Olivia be safe going there? And sometimes the answer is yes, day one, but five years later, the answer is no. Um, I don't want to invest in those areas. It's, it's, you know, if my property manager needs to wear a bulletproof vest to go kick, collect rent or post a notice, it's not worth my time, not worth theirs. And sometimes areas change. So that's, that's what I'm thinking. And right now in my market, I think Fresno generally is improving. There's not a market piece place in Fresno that's going the wrong direction. Population's going up, incomes are going up. Um, I'm excited by what I see in Fresno. I think appreciation is going to be awesome given what we talked about earlier. And single family rentals have never been this hot. I've been doing this 20 years, never this hot. My property manager, for example, I think has about 1,800 homes. And the last time I talked to him, he had six vacancies. Six. Wow. Six. And they're all renting within 24 hours, right? 24, 48 hours. Of course. You know, and, and it's just nuts. So um, I think appreciation is going to go up. It just has to, I mean, it's just has to. National numbers, low interest rates. And again, remember folks, it's about the payment. The 06 payment versus the 2020 payment, the 2020 payment is 30% is lower. So we have a lot of room to go before things are unaffordable. So I'm keeping, I, I, there's only one asset I'm selling and that was, uh, it's been a, it hasn't performed in 10 years. And it's in an area where I think I can sell it to an owner occupant. I'm like, I'm done. I've tried this one for long enough. So I have one asset I'm selling. Other than that, I'm keeping everything because I see you know, sunny skies ahead. See, that's cool. I mean, you know what, Michael, the, uh, thank you for sharing that because, um, this is where I'm going to pick your brain as well. Um, so I'm looking at some of the, the, the properties that I have and I'm also, okay, how, what's it, what's it been doing the last three years to me? Cause some of these properties I bought three, four years ago, I've kept, um, you know, it's not complete long, long haul, not mm -hmm. like my 2010 and 2011 properties that I've purchased, but some of these right now being at the market so high. And if I keep it, you know, like you said, that 10 year mark, a couple of them, I, you know, I'm, I'm making a couple hundred bucks a month in positive cash flow. That doesn't, doesn't really attract me uh, too much like it would if it was seven or 800. Now, mind you, 10 years from now, will that house still be in that range? I think it may, like you said, drop in the next three years. And it's going to have an increase again in the next five, six, seven years. So I'll be back at square one, like where we're at right now, 10 years from now, because we will dip and then we're going to go back up.
but this train might actually increase a little bit yeah. um, the area. But I don't know because if more people start building, you know, the influx of new homes that are coming and new tracks, it's gonna it's gonna end up you know depreciating the the, the market a little bit. And if I can get rid of it now and make a good chunk, you know, 1031 it or, or, or take the long-term yeah. capital gains tax, which I don't want to, but I can move that money, pay something else off exactly. that has a five to $6,000 uh, positive cash flow. Yeah. I mean, one of the things, I mean, just for example, the one property I'm selling, let's just use round numbers. We're going to walk away with 150 grand. I'm going to go pay off two, two, two pieces of debt. So we'll take an asset that was, I think, I think conservatively, like on tax returns, bringing us a couple of grand a month or a, a year, sorry, a couple of grand a year, which is way, way lower than I'd want. Uh, but yep. now we're going to go pay off debt that'll probably bring in a couple of grand a month, right? Just by having the debt gone. See, that's perfect. Yeah. Okay. So that's key. Now we got flip or sell. Okay. Let's do flip. Okay. You first. Okay. So uh, what, what I like to see is obviously... And, and, and in, in, my, in my videos, I do a five-year term, okay? So if I look at a house and if I see the appreciation in five years, I add my positive cash flow um, and then I add somewhat of an appreciation. It's an guesstimate because we, if we had a crystal ball, we'd all be super, super millionaires. But that's not the case. But I just figure five years, if the five-year mark is somewhat similar to what we could get right now in a flip, then obviously take the money now, go create yourself um, a, another purchase that you might buy uh, like that's less, less than the market value right now and then increase that. So when I see in a flip is that if the location is good, if the demand is great, which it is, and if we can get buyers to waive appraisal contingencies because of the demand and because of the location, um, you flip that thing, make it FHA ready, wait the three months, no problem, and someone will buy that home and you might actually make more flipping it than you would keeping it for five years and hope that your, your renter pays, hope that there's no other issues and the, uh, the market stays where it's at. So you have that um, piggy bank of equity. So I'd rather take it now. And, and that's, we, we talked about this before, Michael, FHA ready properties, get rid of them because you will have an influx of people wanting that house. Yeah, I think, again, when we talk about flip folks here, realize that Omar and I are referring to something that we have it that we're, we're, we, we're buying or thinking about putting an offer on. So it's not really the inventory we've had for decades. This is, this is new inventory coming into our pipeline. And I think you're absolutely right. You kind of nailed it for me. For me, it's about area, right? Air, there are certain areas in Central Valley that are just hot for owner occupants and FHA buyers. If you can find a fixer in that market, um, and, and to, be, to be clear, right, it's gotta, it's gotta be a good area. It's gotta be three bedrooms and above. Right, so it can't be the old two-bedroom, you know, ranches, uh, at least for maximum dollar. A second or a half bath was nice. An attached garage is nice, but not required. But if it has, I mean, if it's a three-two, two-car garage, in this market, you know, eat, you know, I was going to say other than a really busy street, but even that is selling today. Uh, that thing's getting sold. Three-bedroom, two-bath, two-car garage, flip every time. 
And you're right. Yep. It, and you're right. You, you will net because of, of just the wacky market. And you're, you're so right when you did that math, you'll net more today than holding it for five years. Right. And, and it's oh, 100%. less oh. risky. I mean, just think about all the downside you have holding something. Oh my God. So I think that's perfect math. I mean, for me, it's okay. Am I standing in the right part of town, which again, for me in Fresno is probably 70 to 80% of the city, right? There's most of the city is on fire today as far as valuations and low inventory. Um, there's some downtown areas that maybe have older homes that aren't quite as on fire, but man, it's, it's, you're so right. I mean, I have never seen this flipping FHA buyer be this hot. This is just wacky. It, it, you know, it's complete nuts. It's crazy. Um, it's good. It's a good thing if you're in the position to capitalize on it, you know, buy something that's not as pretty, ugly, make it look nice and wait the three months and you'll have that huge demand of people that are going to come after that home because right now you're supplying the inventory. Yeah. And if you do that enough, regardless of literally anything that was, because I've been flipping and so has, um, so has Michael, and anything that's borderline, you still purchase. Yeah. Only right now. Okay. Later on, it yeah. might be different. Might, you better be good on your numbers. Yeah. Okay? Only right now. Yeah. Right now. So if if it's borderline, pick it up, make it look good, and then you'll you'll increase that that equity that someone's willing to pay that you're going to be making right now because of the appreciation and sweat equity technically in a month. I mean, there's so many deals that I just closed that I picked up that were 160K. I put 20 grand in it and I turned around and sold it for 265. Jesus. And we closed in 65 days from purchase, from acquisition to fix up, to on the market, to in escrow, to close in 64, 65 days. It's ridiculous. That's and then look at the spread that was made. I will never make that money if I would have kept that house for 10 years. No. I wouldn't have made that money. No, you're absolutely right. And again, folks, just because we don't know when you're going to watch this, let's be clear. We're talking October 2020. So if you see this in like July of 2025, <laughs> does it apply? This is the next six months of October 2020. <laughs> let's get that out. Exactly. Because we don't know. We, we don't really know. don't know. Take advantage of it now and... Um, get out there, let people know that you're buying houses and let other agents know, Hey, you're an investor. You want to buy some houses. Yeah. So what do you keep today? That's the kind of last thing. What did you keep anything okay, today? So, <clears throat> excuse me. <clears throat> we keep things that, um, or properties that are in good locations that have an increase because you always want to trade the okay area to a great area. I don't care how you do it because the great area will always appreciate more than the okay area. Perfect example, have a great property that I'm selling a couple of my rentals right now to pay off debt on an area where I will have two homes on a lot, have a really, really minimum loan uh, on it, a couple hundred K worth about a million. So that swing there is gonna make me $5,500 a month in yes. positive cash flow. Awesome. And that's on one property. Granted, I got to put another 100K in it, right, for the ADU to put another property on this, um, in the historic district of this specific area. But it's great because that upside doesn't matter. My small little SFRs, three and twos in my area, 
don't ever make five grand a, a month in positive cash flow. That's so, awesome. So those are the ones that you want to find and you want to keep. And then, you know, remove your debt. Like mm-hmm. Michael was just saying, use some of the properties that aren't performing as well, sell those and then pay off the other debt. So now you change from a couple thousand a year that you're making to a couple thousand a month that you're making with the same money that you have. So you're just trading money, putting it somewhere else and increasing that uh, cash flow per month. That's perfect. The only th- I think that's awesome. I, I feel the same way. The only th- other thing that I'm keeping is I like kind of oddball properties. Okay. And what I mean by oddball properties is at least in Fresno, I don't know if the high desert has these, but there's little parts of town where you can still pick up seriously 500, 600 square foot, one bedroom, one bath houses. Really? Yeah. Still, they're still there. I like them for a couple of reasons. One is they don't get the attention of buyers, right? So my competition is very small, but my best rentals are one bedroom, one bath houses. A retired person often moves in. Okay. They often want a dog or a pet since the backyard. And I mean, I have, I might have 20, 20 or 25 of these and almost never an issue. It's, really? it's just a part of the market that I really enjoy. So I will always buy and keep those. And, and, and you bought them so well, right? Oh, yep. 50 grand, hundred K, whatever it is. Yeah. And you're getting 12, 1300 a month. I'm getting somewhere between eight, nine. So call it 900 and a thousand, right? 900 if it's just a house, no garage, just street parking. But if there's a one bedroom, one bath house and it has a detached garage, that's how they were built when these were first built. Yeah, I can get a thousand, 1100, right? Because I will still do them up nice and make the garage useful, put up a nice new fence so let their dog run around. I'll never have an issue with that tenant. It's awesome. Oh yeah, it's, it sounds like, but you have a borderline though. You won't pay more than 100K for that house. Oh, no. Yeah, I wouldn't pay. Well, it depends on the conditions. Yeah. I mean, if it was totally turnkey, maybe slightly above that. But yeah, I mean, no, I'm, I try, I just tried to buy three of them from one seller. There are three houses right next to each other. Or actually, it's, it's like an L, like one house and then two houses. Yeah. Uh, I tried to pick that up for 165. So what's that? 55K a door? Oh, that's all day long. Yeah. All day long. I'll probably have to put 15 in each. So it's, 70k but then i'll rent it for a thousand cake and i probably will keep those i mean my one bedroom one bath houses might be the last things i sell they're just that good of performers see that's because now you're at a thousand you're at you're at ten thousand dollars a year on property yeah exactly multiply that now it makes more sense yeah exactly that's good that's yeah, cool, Michael. I like well, that's that's cool. So this has been a lot of fun. We talked about the high desert, Central Valley markets. We know we talked about flip, keep, or sell. Uh, so this has been a lot of fun, uh, Omar. How can people follow you on Instagram? Because you talked about Instagram stories that you're doing. So where can people follow you? Um, at Omar underscore Alfaro. Check it out. You'll see some of the newest videos there. Keep it or flip it. Kind of give you an, an idea and a detailed version of why I chose to keep it or why I, why I chose to, to, to flip it. Awesome, so, man. Well, thank you. Thank you very much for your time and stay tuned for round number two.